I quickly figured out that the income that I was aiming for to get into this, I 2X'd it in this very first house. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, excited to have Brandon Schwab. Brandon, how are you doing today? So, so I'm awesome, man. How are you? I'm doing well. So a little Good bit here. about Brandon. He is a, a serial entrepreneur since the age of 15. Brings 20 plus years of operating experience to Shepherd Premier Senior Living since its founding in 2014. Yes, and uh, in you had a little bit of a journey. It sounds like your grandpa was was receiving some subpar treatment. Tell, tell me, tell me about that. Let's. I guess we'll we'll skip the rest of the intro and we'll just kind of weave it in here. So tell me about the, the subpar care that your grandpa was receiving at one of these big box facilities. Yeah. So he had a he was in there when he was about 85 years old and as he was getting closer to the end uh we were able to go in there to go talk with him today and he clearly had to um have help we pulled the pull cord button and i thought as you were able to hit it that people come like taken off over there to help you five minutes goes by 10 minutes goes by 15 by 20 i get kind of like I get kind of edgy, right? By 25 minutes, I am like, who do I have to ask? And then I was able to go out there and I grabbed two caregivers that I asked to help them. But Todd, to be transparent, I was pretty angry how I asked them just because I got pretty pissed. I was like, he um, has to have help. When he got in there, he could not, he could not he wasn't able to ask for anything. So I felt I had to ask for him and I was a jerk and I feel terrible on it. However, I thought that that's what I had to do to get him help. And if anyone has ever had a chance to go into a home that is going to, this place had about 150 to 200 people. Mm. The just odor was terrible mm. and that's they had a caregiver to every 20 to 30 people. And I was like, I um, hate this industry. I um, hate everything on it. And I thought I would do everything possible to keep as far out of it. And that's how I was able to get into it. Now he, I was, that was the final time I was ever, the final time I was ever able to see him. He ended up being able to pass about four. But after that, I felt terrible. Cause like, as I was able to go home, I was like, well, after I was out of there, those two people I asked for his help probably aren't going to offer him a whole ton of help. And it was only because of everything that I was able to offer that probably actually hurt him. And I felt terrible on that, Todd, like terrible, like in here, I felt terrible. So I did a thing that everyone else does is after you're able to have those, like I pushed it down deep and I kind of acted as if it didn't ever happen. Fast forward about 10 years afterwards, I was down in Florida and I got exposed to a five bed home that was totally, it was the, it was the, it was the total opposite. And I go, huh, what the heck is this? So that's kind of how I was able to open up to things. And at first I, at that time down in Florida, I had 23 homes in our current portfolio. I thought I had all of the answers. And then I'm in this home and, and I go, what the heck is this place? I felt so like ignorant that I didn't have any clue what the heck this place was. So you, you had 23 homes. What kind of single like, single family? Um, yes, sir. Yeah. Just just market rate, regular single family homes. I think our average person was paying 1800 each month for the whole house. Yeah. Yeah. And as I was down in Florida, I found out that this five person house, each person was paying $5,200 per month. Like and I said, senior house. Yeah. And 
So I said, are you telling me that that house is bringing in 25,000 each month plus? Yeah. And then just like head exploded. I'm like, that is cool. Cause it didn't have the overall atmosphere. It didn't have the odor. It didn't have like the, every person in there uh, um, that is able to ask for help all the time. And I go, wow, this is different. I almost, if I could have been exposed to this beforehand, I would have tried to get him in that type of option compared to this huge cold place that just didn't offer awesome care. Yeah. So that's kind of how I got exposed to it. I, I think that's a pretty common avenue for anyone that's ever been exposed to these places that are huge. I think you'll typically find that they don't offer awesome care and it typically has an odor to it, which is interesting. Um, but it also tells yeah, you that that's to say it nicely. <laughs> yeah. And I think the odor is there because they aren't getting awesome care. And if they aren't getting good care, that tells you other things. So if yeah. you are able to have the odor that that tells you, and that's how I was able to get exposed to it. Uh, that was back in 2004. I was in that huge building. And then I got exposed to that five bed home down in Florida back in 2014. It's, it's interesting that the difference, um, and the order is something when you talk about, you know, it's like, that's my biggest pet peeve walking into a building and the smell, Absolutely. if that, if it smells, you know, right there that they're not caring for the residents. Yeah. Now, bad smells smell, oppor spell opportunity, but <laughs> bad smells are like I said, the, my biggest pet peeve and then visually. Right. So, I mean, we're, 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 our senses are so strong. So if we're smelling something bad, we're no longer interested. If we're seeing right. something that looks, you know, just cruddy and bad, we're no longer interested. You have to have those, those two in these senior housing are so, so important. And I think the smells are, are number one. Oh, totally. Um, it's so, so in 2014, you saw this five room place. Um, you realized that there's possibilities there. Obviously you had this terrible experience, uh, previously and knew right. you would want to buy a big behemoth building. Well, in 2000, so did you buy, uh, right then, uh, you know, or what, what, Take me through that. Uh, how did you get then into buying senior housing? Yeah. So from 2000, 2014, I had 23 homes. I went to our club for investors. I had a club of about 110 people. Um, and I told everyone that I was able to exit the industry and I put 23 homes up for sale. I sold 22 of them in about 32 total days gone. And I took that cash and I opened up our first house. We bought it for 250,000. And then I did. So like what anyone else would do is I over like rehabbed it. I put $550,000 into it. Mm -hmm. The average person's like, Brandon, you did what? <laughs> So you bought it for 250 and put 550 in. Are you crazy? Yeah. Right. And I said, yeah. And it was funny because everyone at that event, they are like, is he kidding? Like he's been here helping us teach us how to do this. Now he's out. And the place was like dead quiet. And I told him the thing that I was doing and all of them were just like, I think Brandon's gone crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, that first property, I was able to open it. I was able to get things going and I took our first couple people in. And then quickly afterwards, I was like, you know, I need to get help with a person that is have a history of healthcare. Yeah. So I did partner up with a gal um, in 2015 and that gal helped me kind of operate things. So I got the house open, but I, but I'll tell you, Todd, it was in a town of 832 people. Oh, wow. Not exactly a great MSA, right? 832 yeah. people is 832 people. But <laughs> what I found was the farmers that 
are in this town, the average household income was 85,000. Wow. That population of that town over 65 was like 20%. Yeah. So I found a hole kind of by accident that I found an opportunity in a, in a town of 832 people that had a good household income to pay for it. And then I found a first floor property that was um, 4,800 feet on three acres. Now, Todd, out close to us, you can't, those houses are hard to find. So as I found this, I was like, all right. And I over, I had to do an ADA access to get in. I did one, two, three ADAs in the house for people to go to the so like bathroom, I just over, I did over did everything right. I had four privates and two, two people for each room. So I had 10 people total. So it did take me time to get things figured out. But by February of um, 17, I did fill up the house and I quickly figured out that the income that I was aiming for to get into this, I 2X'd it in this very first house. So when you've got a 10 person house with 55,000 of income with expenses of only like 30 to 32,000, you're doing pretty good. And then I said, all right, home two, and then home three and home four and um, home five. But a thing that I found, though, is the healthcare operational piece is hard. So I kind of handle the asset piece of it. I can get homes open and also, but then I am able to hand it off to our ops team, which kind of handles the overall operations. Yeah, the licensing, the the making sure the care that the proper yeah. care is happening, all that kind right. of stuff. Right. And that's that's what I think uh, is is definitely you know it's it's easy to think wow fifty five k of income twenty two k of expenses I mean just like thirty two thirty two k of expenses like wow that's that's amazing I want to do that. But then you don't understand the operations side of it. So yep. if you hadn't brought in this person um, and started to understand or, or understood that early on, it probably would have been a different story. Oh, totally. I, so I was in there at first. And when I had a first person offering care call in on me and I had to I quickly figured out, like, I don't have a clue what I'm doing here. Yeah, I was good to open it. I got two or three people in there, but I quickly figured out that that is not the area that I'm very good at. And I quickly had to find others. Now, a thing that's great, though, is on the other side is there's tons of people that are in the health that, that are in the overall industry that hate how things are able to turn out today. Um, this last August, we just hired a gal who's in the industry for over 12 years, who was previously earning $115,000 each or uh, $150,000 each year, took a $45,000 cut to hmm. come over. The only point of her being able to do that is she hated everything else. And for her coming into all of our homes was like, Brandon, this is awesome. Those people are going to put the offering the top care over anything else. And I can have those people in easier than I can find folks um, that can do all of that and also figure out how to open up each home. So I think each of us have to have each, each of us have to have each other. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's a surprising amount of abuse that happens in the industry and neglect that happens in the industry. Obviously, your story from the beginning back in 2004, it shows you exactly that. You pull the, the help cord and nobody comes until you have to come out swinging, right? Yeah. It's, it, that should not happen. I didn't realize it when I first got into the senior industry, I, I didn't realize that was the case. And it wasn't even really a part of my, my mission at all. Like to create, I wanted to create great homes. Right. But I didn't think that was even a problem. And now that I see it, I'm like, man, we need to buy 
like all these places. So it, we can get rid of these owners and the operations that are running like this. This is like crazy. Um, so it's just, it's just an interesting, I think how that industry, you know, I, I don't understand it. Like, I don't understand how you can uh, do that, but, but you kind of see it too. You, you do a little bit cause these people are sometimes crabby and, you know, and if you don't have, I think the biggest thing and correct me if I'm wrong in your experience, the biggest thing is the lack of training. It seems like, and the lack of really trying to find the right people that fit. I think a lot of people just fill in the holes with a bunch of employees and don't train them. Well, that could be a issue for sure. The bigger issue is I think the owners that own those huge places, they don't go there personally. Yeah. And if they, they don't, don't go there personally, and if they don't put eyes on people, and if they think of it purely as an avenue just to earn income, a thing that happens is they begin looking at it from a pure aspect of just earning cash. And a thing that happens, Todd, is that they think of it as, okay, so income's down, so what do you do? You cut expenses, right? Yep. That's the typical common thought process, right? Yep. Where if you cut expenses, your biggest expense in this industry is people offering the care, right? Yeah. But that's the like worst place to try to pull out expenses because yeah. it only hurts everyone in there. So when there isn't anybody telling them that they have to have a caregiver to every five to 10 people, they get to do whatever the hell they feel like it. And as you have the operators that own 10, 20, 30, 50 of these places, 100 to 200 beds, they don't think of them as like, oh, hey, this is a place that is able to offer awesome care. They purely think income and, and expense and also the overall earnings. Mm -hmm. So a, a thing that I think you're able to offer earlier is if you get into this industry thinking that you're going to earn tons of cash, you are doing it completely the opposite. You aren't going to do good. Don't do it. Get yep. the hell out, right? Yep. But if you truly care, that has to be your top. And if you do that, then you will do awesome. But if you don't, I've had people copy us, right? Um, I had a house appraised, that first house, right? That house appraised for $1.8 million, right? Wow. The guy that I partnered up with that house goes, holy crap. He copied me and he built two homes. Well, guess what? He's in it to earn dollars. Fast forward to today, he's got three houses. His occupancy is what? 50%. Because he doesn't truly care, he's thinking of it as I'm going to earn tons of cash. He doesn't hire the proper people to get him in there that actually care that it, end, it ends up hurting him. So I would cautious anyone that is able to hear this to go, holy crap, this is an awesome industry. If you think of it as only the opportunity to earn money, don't do it. Yeah, I could, couldn't agree more. I think the seniors housing industry actually just amplifies that. I think that philosophy, for me, that philosophy is true in, in every industry. And I own a lot of multifamily. Our, my, my philosophy is exactly that. The income is going to come. If we respect our residents, we treat them the right way, we provide the services we want to provide. I think it's exactly the same thing with seniors housing, except it's amplified on it. Absolutely. Even bigger. Yeah. So yes, it is. That's for I mean, sure. You know, it's 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 a it's a lucrative industry. And we talked before, so it's a lucrative industry. It's it, the the you know, the cap rate you can come in at right now is, is actually really attractive. There's a lot of attractive things about it. And there's also 
definitely some things that hold people back from getting into this industry. What are, what are some of the, you know, negatives, maybe pitfalls, uh, maybe things to be aware of if you're looking at getting into uh, seniors housing? Jeez, man. Um, I have been in this industry for eight years and I feel like I have hit all of them. Um, in fact, I've hit all of them like two times or about three times each. So I can tell you there, there's, there's plenty. Um, I can tell you that if you truly care though, you can figure out how to get through all that. But I felt COVID tested everybody. COVID was a time for two years that if you were kind of like, nah, in, you you just got killed right there because yeah. that tested, are you in it for how you ought to be? And if you are coming in post COVID, I'll tell you, it's an awesome opportunity, but it is hard work. I mean, anyone that tells you that it's easy, isn't being, isn't going to be, there's, there was a guy out of Arizona who was fantastic at teaching everyone how to do it, but it it isn't that easy. Um, You were able to go there, pay him $30,000. He will teach you. He was able to pass this past fall, but like, it isn't that easy. And all these people are go there and um, to get in this business though, is hard work. It is good to have the um, history operating beforehand because you really need to understand how to operate a company um, and do things how they ought to be done. So I would caution if you have a healthcare, you could do good, but I've also been able to talk to people that have a healthcare past that open up their first home, they, they open up home too, and they are working 85 hours each week. Yeah. yeah. So th- that, that's usually who we're buying from. Yeah. And we're buying, we're buying from the mom pot owner that owns one, yeah. two, maybe three houses. Yeah. And they're putting in Same 80 here. to a hundred hours a week and they're just completely burnt out. They're burnt out. They hate it. And I think your earlier question talking about how people are able to get hurt, it's because and so I don't think I answered this, that the caregivers that are in there have to care for 20 to 30 people. Mm-hmm. When you have to care for that quantity of people in, if you just can't keep up, that's when a person gets like, I can't keep up. They are doing everything that, that they can to keep up, but they can't. And that's when things kind of like explode. Um, so I think you find a bunch of these operators who think that they can do it and then they don't have any history operating. So they do everything themselves and they take the ownership on them, but they trade their time with their family for owning that company. But at the end of the day, they think they own something, but they really don't. That actually owns owns them. Right. Yeah. 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 That totally owns that. So that's a part that I would tell anyone that's thinking of getting in this, I would be careful. And one of, I think the best things that anyone could do that has active income or has cash to invest or a person that's going, that is going to be concerned on with, if you think about inflation, that's 8.5%, anyone that is able to have funds is getting pushed to put cash out. Right. You've got to think about the asset class that I think you are going to put it, but I think you could be actively in this industry, but um, that, so um, you don't have to actually operate it. You could, you could invest in one, but um, you don't have to operate it. Yeah. So those, those are also options too. Yep. Yep. Love it. How do you, how do you, you mentioned operating, um, making sure your, your operations are sound. Let's talk, let's dive into that. What are you guys doing to make sure your operations are sound to making sure that the, the employees are caring for the residents the way that you expect versus uh, the way that other companies sometimes do it? You know, how are you making sure you're getting the residents in that, that uh, you know, that type of stuff? How are you operating this thing? So how I ensure that it is I don't, ask the care team to care for any higher than a caregiver to every five to eight people. Okay. I can control the quantity of people that are in there to offer 
to offer, okay? So when they're in there to offer care, if I have our 10 person house, right? Mm -hmm. I've got two people in there from 7 a.m. till 10 p.m. Yep. And when there's a caregiver to every five people, you're fine. Um, it is the time when the owners gets where they are trying to earn extra money, where they do a caregiver every 10, 15, 20, 30 people. That's when things get hurt. That's when people get hurt. That's when the odor happens because yeah. they, they just can't change people fast e so enough. So I create it where we use technology to help track changing people and to use technology to keep us in front of everyone else. Um, I feel that the industry is so outdated and so behind times. It's kind of like the taxi if you think about the taxi cab industry, right? The taxi cab industry, in order to call one, you used to have to put your hand up and go taxi, right? Pretty ancient, right? It's kind of how our industry is. Like, I kind of feel like how we care for the elderly is how we cared for the elderly 40, 50 years ago. Todd, yep. it hasn't really changed. Yeah. Big, huge places just built to earn cash. That that isn't how it is anymore. Things have changed. COVID punched that industry right in the face. Oh, yeah. Those big, huge homes, it was all over the country, all over. People are dead and piled up in all the closets, like particularly on the East Coast, right? That was bad. That's opening up people's eyes that back before that, I don't think anyone thought that there was any issues of that 100 to 200. Now people have a reason to go, I don't know. I don't know if that's a good idea anymore. I don't know. Right. So when things are changing, I feel like the taxi cab industry got taken over from Uber, right? How? They had a awesome option here and they figured out how to use an app on your phone to have it be easier and faster. I feel like we are changing this industry. I feel that our company is the Uber changing the industry from old and ancient to, I have got three pieces of, of technology that other companies don't use that gives us a edge. And that helps keep our houses good, clean. There isn't any odor that those pieces of technology are out there. You just have to choose to use them and choose to, for every 10 people, it's like one of those pieces of technology is 500 each month per house, right? That's what I choose to, what? That's what it costs. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. But a thing that it's able to do is it's a, it's a piece of technology that clips on the front of their, a, their, and it, it's going to text an, an iPad when people have to be, to be changed, right? So I have a bit of where if I, if I had an accident, I've got the ego that I would not ask anyone for help because I would feel terrible that I couldn't take care of it on my own, right? So I would just sit in it and sit in it for yep. two, three hours. Yep. Now, this technology is able to help me because they get to go, hey, that guy over there, he just had an accident in his pants. They get to come over here and they are able to help us. They are able to help escort me that I don't even have to ask for. That's technology that can change the industry. But the other competitions are focused on earning cash versus taking care of people. Now, the other angle of that is, yes, that costs me 500 each month. However, the average time people are in our house is 3.2 years and going up. Right. So what does it cost you to turn over each room or for it to be open for 45 days because you have to put another person in or... All of those costs add up. I would just choose 
500 each month is able to help us. And well, I've got two. Got, if you've got people that are sitting in there and not being taken care of, yeah. then the building smells, then the building's not pleasant, then people don't yeah. want to work there. That yeah. snowballs quickly. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Now you got, now you got some, now you got real vacancies. Now you got real problems. What did yeah. you say? You mentioned three. So, so there, there's that. What, what else do you have? Well, I can't tell you all of them, but, um, <laughs> I, so I, so I use an app, um, um, for our office that, um, is custom done to build out for our company where we basically have everything in our office is able to happen all on its own. It happens by itself where there are things that I used to have to do beforehand that they were expensive. I had people in our office, I was paying 50 to 80,000 to get things done. We built, we built those back office processes a couple of years ago that changed getting, I used to have to chase, you used to have to chase checks each month and it was terrible. We processing through ACHs and it's fantastic. All of that is able to happen all on its own. Yeah. Um, the other piece of technology that I use is, um, is to help get people into our homes um, we use a way to help document and prove to the discharge planners how I can get the hospital paid an extra 35% by having people come to us other than going to everyone else. Because you get that if anyone is going to discharge from a so like hospital, right? Yep. And if they come back to the hospital within 30 days, guess who doesn't get paid, Todd? Yep. The hospital, right? Yep. So if there's a hospital by us that was up to 45% of their people were coming back within 30 days. So I figured out a cool technology that I don't know if there's anyone else in this industry that has figured out how to, how to get people to, to directly come to you from the hospital and give the hospital feedback that they can track how much extra they are able to get paid. Because if you didn't get paid on 45% of your income, that that's going to hurt almost anyone, right? That's how these guys, that's how all of these hospitals are getting purchased by other hospitals because they can't handle that 45%. Yep. So we are that's partnering right. up where they have people come to us and they find out, Hey, they take awesome and, and that's how there's a piece that I, I, I use that is able to help us with that. <clears throat> gotcha. Um, yeah, we're using some, some stuff. I mean, it's funny cause we, <laughs> we take over some of these buildings and they're still using like paper, uh, to keep track of medical records and, you know, oh my their, God. Their med cards, they don't even have a laptop or anything. It's just like, they've got, uh, the it is ancient, copy. right? Yeah. They got the carbon yeah. copy still going on and oh, the carbon uh, copy. I haven't seen those yet. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, it's awesome. Um, it's awesome. He says, <laughs> yeah, we we've implemented some, some tech into some activities as well Good. Uh, that just help the, you know, help your staff, do activities. They don't have to think, they don't have to pre-plan a bunch of stuff. It's just kind of yeah. all right there for them. And so it's easier for them to, to do it because, you know, they get busy, right? Yeah. And if they're busy, they're running around, uh, they're going to either forget to do the activities or they're just not going to do them because they don't want to spend the time and energy doing them. So then yeah. the residents just sit around. One of our big beliefs is we want to add um, life to the years of our residents, you know, not, yeah. not just years to the life of our residents. So, um, yeah, I, I, I love, I love how you're talking like care, care is personal. So if you got these big, huge, uh, you know, buildings and you've got, you know, somebody way down the hallway, how are you, how do you expect them? They're, they're not, you know, they're at the end of the hallway. They're, right. they're 40 doors down. Like, Right. They're not getting the care they deserve. Maybe the people on the front are, are uh, the people in the back are just kind of getting left alone. And the people that 
probably need the most care are probably getting the least care right in those big buildings so oh for sure yeah um talk about leadership you know what do you and your staff do for for leadership to to help uh make sure all the you know all the the staff are kind of on the same page because that's that's definitely a challenge to make sure you've got i'm sure you've got some younger people working for you some college age maybe people working for you and so everybody you know so, some of these people this is their career and right. they are passionate about it. Other people are, this is a more of a job and they're not as passionate about it. How do you, as a leadership uh, position, you know, ensure that you're getting equal level of care with all the, with all the staff involved? So probably two years ago, we, imp we, imp we, imp we implemented, we implemented a app on all the phones, Slack, Yep. probably two years ago. And that was a game changer for us. That was when we were just tipping the point of having two homes to three homes. And it was, it felt as if things were getting a tad bit like out of our control and having that app where everyone can talk to each other to give them a avenue to talk that they don't. I think it was happening before and as we were, texting each other mm -hmm. and there was all these texts going back and forth and it didn't give them a good platform to put all of that where today now we have been using that app for two years and the our team has 55 total people in our whole in our whole company which that gets a difficult to introduce yourself to everybody yep. um i go to all of our houses and for the first time and seven years i'm like i don't have a clue who everyone is anymore like if if it isn't for that app right there i don't i think it would be harder for us to kind of keep that home feel mm -hmm. um it is key for us to keep the home feel both for the people that are in our homes but also the team that is actually that is going to be in there to offer help that they don't feel like they're going into the office every day that they are going in to actually help their own that atmosphere is key so from the very top of ours all the way down to all of the whole team we have that company culture that is very upfront clear um that even when they come on we talk on it up front where if they aren't a very good fit we find out pretty quickly that they aren't a, a very good fit based on the company, how they fit in probably within the first five to eight um, when they are in there. But a, a, thing, a thing that's actually really good for us is, is to be clear on the company culture that is in here, where it's also clear what we expect everyone to do and and we actually created a poster and it's i don't know it's probably like 24 inches by 36 we had those printed for each house um and that helps it it helps tell them what what it kind of is and what they can do and the things that they can't do in a kind fashion right yep yep love it Love it. Yeah. Leadership is just so important. Um, it's easy to, it's easy to ignore. I think sometimes I think that a lot of companies go wrong with that, um, that they just kind of ignore the leadership aspect and they think that their employees should know, um, the culture should know what to do, should know how we act. But if you're not reminding them, if you're not telling them kind of almost every day, um, they don't know that, you know, that's, that's not the culture they have worked in before that's not they, they maybe came from a very negative environment they maybe came from a uh, another home that was a you know abuse was happening or neglect was happening and so if, if they're coming from that even though they didn't like it they don't know how to act in your environment they don't know how your environment is is how the people are supposed to be treated so um that, that to me is, is super important. That's a big thing that we harp on 
is is making sure that all our staff have every single opportunity to understand how we want to carry ourselves every single day. Oh yeah, um, for sure. Brandon, what's a mistake that you've made along, you know, this journey, your real estate journey, just your business journey overall, what's a mistake that you've made that you can pass to our listeners so they can learn from you? Uh, well, that's tough to choose because I've had tons of them. So um, one of one of the things that I feel people do often is they overthink things before they even get into them, right? I feel like there's a like level where you just need to take action and kind of figure yeah. things out, where I feel a lot of folks really overthink things. Yeah. And to a point that they just don't ever do anything. Now, the issue with that is you tend to have some things that are able to happen. But I feel that if you can fail as fast as you can, you can get places faster. Where I would encourage folks, don't be afraid of being able to fail. In fact, I would almost try to do it as fast as you can because it helps you get past it. Where if you think of everything that could happen and don't ever do anything, then you basically guarantee that you aren't going to ever yeah. help anyone um, or to do anything. Um, I had a failure um, that cost me $85,000. Um, and that failure was a deal that was up close to you. And I, I thought I got it totally done. It was through the S I had financing, um, a financing commitment from the SBA, um, at so like 90%, right. And it, I think the overall, it was like 2.5% going forward. It was an awesome, awesome deal. When they asked for an extension for 30 days, the owner that I was buying it from didn't take the extension. He goes, Brandon, I, so I have another offer that is higher than yours. I'm going to have to, you are either able to close or else it's done. So when I was trying to bring in 12.5 million of capital in that 30 days, I think the investors that I was calling on, could just kind of, they were able to feel that I was like anxiously like trying to get in cash. And at the end of the day, I did, I did not get that deal done. What it taught me though, is I did get our upfront earnest money back. I got the hundred thousand dollar earnest money back, but what happened was our attorney racked up $125,000 of invoices. And I did get them down to 85,000. But what happened though, Todd was it, this was an $85,000 thing that taught me, yeah. yes, you can take action, but you got to expect that things are going to also happen as well. So what I did with that is at that time, I was in our opco piece of our company that I was in operations, right? For seven years at this point. And I finally got to this point to close and we failed on closing on a awesome deal at 14.5% cap rate. And we, di we didn't get it done. That would have two X our whole portfolio from seven homes to 14 homes, literally overnight, wham. And I could have cried because I was like so close and I didn't get it done. But what it taught me is that I will um, never have that happen ever again. So I got out of operations um, within like 30 days. And I was able to hire a person that's honestly could do that op job probably 10 times that I was able to. <laughs> um, and I opened up our fund and our fund is here. So that doesn't ever happen ever, ever. And I have capital today now that as those deals are able to happen, I can close quickly. I can close with cash. I can get an awesome deal. But if that thing didn't happen, I don't know if I ever would have had the umph to go open our fund because that is hard. 
too. But I had to do a thing that I did not do beforehand. And I figured out how to do it because I had to. And I paid $85,000 to be taught that I have to go do that. So the first part is to take action. The other part is to, as you find something isn't able to work, you got to change quickly, but just keep on going and don't ever, don't ever build quit. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I love that you're talking, talking about, you know, you said originally don't so many people overthink things and, and I, I see it so often. I see, I know a few people that have taken every course there is, they go to every conference there is, they, there's tons of them. Yeah. mentors, they do all the stuff and they still never take action or very little action. They're yeah. always overthinking and they never want to take that risk because they don't want to make a mistake. But yet you're, you were, were in this industry seven years and you went out and you took a risk to put this property under contract. You weren't able to close on it. You got slammed with $85,000 worth of expenses. That sucks. Plus your time, terrible. you didn't, you know, you, you, you didn't really mention that too much, but it cost, it took a lot of time and, and it, you know. Forever. Yeah. And so now you've got this, oh crap. Now there's two things you can do with that. One is you can say, well, I'll never go after a big property like that again, because why would I look what happened? I'm going to stick with what I know. Or you could go, geez, I missed out on this opportunity because I wasn't prepared and because I wasn't focused on the right thing. And now I'm going to hire somebody to do what I'm doing. They're going to do it way better than me. And I'm going to focus on what I need to do to grow my business. And that's exactly what you did because you were able to take those, those risks because you made the, the mistake that ended up now probably propelling your business and your business is likely going to grow 10 X of what it otherwise would have. Oh, Mm -hmm. so, for sure. I love it. Yeah, it, it here. It was a thing that as that all um, happened, I was like, man, this is terrible. I put in our term to close. I think I gave us six months to close. And I thought for sure, that's plenty of time. I <laughs> totally have this deal done. And I hate to even tell you this, Todd, but like I had such a good deal. I got the bank financing, I had to put down 10%, which is 1.25 million. Todd, I hate to even tell you, I had the owner carrying back 800,000 of that 1.25 million. All I had to come out was $450,000 down. So I only had $450,000. Yeah. When he told me he couldn't extend that closing out 30 days, now I have to go from 450,000 to 12.5 million yeah. or I don't get the deal and panic. And that taught me, you need to get things in there before you actually have to have them. You need to be out there yeah. talking to people. That's the whole point that I am on all that I'm on all of these calls is our fund is geared towards changing this whole industry but I have to have access to people that go, Hey, that that's a cool option. I don't know if I would actually do that, but I, so I'm able to invest and I can be an active part of everything going on because I have, I, I am able to, to I'm able to, um, I'm able to have the income that it's able to take to invest that took 10 years, 20 years of earning it, but today they can invest now. So our fund opened because of that. And that's great now because I, it took me eight years to get to seven um, homes, right? Yep. By the end of this year, we were going to have 30. That wouldn't have ever happened if I didn't have access to a fund for $25.2 million. Never. Because I was thinking that I'm going to purchase homes, turn them into this. And those things just take forever. I'm doing the thing that um, I, think, I, I think you are doing. I am purchasing operators that are having a hard time. Yeah. I am purchasing operators 
at a big discount of 20 to about 40% yeah. closing quickly. But a thing that I'm also doing is after I am able to have that done and close, I order takeout financing and I get takeout financing within 120 days because yeah. I'm buying existing homes that are operating that have cash flow so I can get to takeout financing. We're back before our time frame to go from dirt to dirt to people in our homes was about 12 to 18. So, so like year in a half, Yeah, that's a, that's a big period of time to have to yeah. hold carry costs in, yeah. in, in interest in taxes. That, 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 it, that, it, that is not fun. Right. right. COVID taught me that that takes too long to get to that. So today now we've got capital in now with our fund that I am doing these calls also that if any, that if anyone's able to hear this and if they are in this industry, they could exit, call us, please call us. We are actively looking to purchase, um, close quickly, but we're also um, looking for, for investors. And particularly our fund is geared not towards the average investor. Um, our, our first batch of funding I did in 2019, we brought in from 33 investors, right? The average guy was putting in 200,000. It was into each asset by itself. So that was a five-year term. What all of us are doing today now is we're looking for a family office to, to, to put a bigger chunk down into, into our fund, right? Yep. That's going to help us get there faster. So that's how things are totally different now, because then I can go buy portfolios now yep. where back before I was like, Hey, I, I am able to open up this home where today now I am able to buy portfolios of four to about five homes each portfolio for $4.5 million. Now, a thing that's really cool is if you buy a portfolio at 4.5 million, that's at 50% occupancy, when you fill it, it is going to be worth 10. (laughs) So there is huge plays in here. You just have to be comfortable in here because I've been in here for eight years and I've honestly done everything that um, you can do. You get taught how they ought to be fully finished, right? Yeah. So um, that's cool how we are doing things today because I can go to 30 homes now because I have a team for overhead. That's awesome now. We're back before I didn't have a team that could handle that. Where today I do. Our overheads, so like half a million per year, 550, where as I go up to 30 homes, it's going to probably only go up 15%. Yeah. That's so, a beautiful part about scaling, right? Is, is that overhead goes up, but not necessarily dollar for dollar. Yeah. But that's a thing that in order to get into this though, um, your first five homes, I think are definitely the um, hardest homes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. And, after that, after, after you get to probably the 10th home, that's when thing gets easier because you have the option to put the overhead over all of the homes compared to only two, three, four, five. Yeah. And as you only have two homes, you can't hire the overhead because you don't have the income to take care of them. So it's, it's a tough battle that um, isn't for everyone. That's for sure. Yep. Yep. Love it. A lot of good stuff, Brandon. Really appreciate it. Look, uh, a couple last questions before we wrap up. Um, one, what's your favorite book? Life and Air. Life and Air. Awesome. Life and Air by um, Cook. Steve Cook. Steve Cook. All right. Love that book changed enjoy, everything. Enjoy that book uh, as well. So that's a great one. Um, all right. So last question before we wrap, what are your three pillars of wealth creation? Wealth can be described differently to everyone. I think you talked to, I think people often think of it as income or financial earnings. 
I think the top factor that would determine that for us would be the time to do whatever you feel like. Time freedom yep. is key. Um, if you are going to own something, but you have to give 80 hours each week, and if you don't get to go to your kids' things, that isn't good. Yeah. I don't care if you have tons of cash, but if you have to give it up to to earn it, that isn't a, that is, so, so I would say the top pillar would be the time freedom to do whatever you feel like. Yeah. Now that is harder to get to obviously. Um, so the other pillar would be to have a clearly figured out passive income target. A lot of people if you ask them this question, they don't, they don't have any clue of how to answer that. Mm -hmm. it, um, if you can figure out what is your passive income target, if it's 5,000 each month, 10,000 each month, 20,000, yeah. you have to have that down because that gives you a target to aim at. If you don't have any clue of the place you were able to go, you aren't ever able to get there because you don't, because could you just keep going all over the place? Yeah. Um, I had a clear passive income of 10,000 each month. Right. And back before this, I had 23 homes and those 23 homes got me to 5,400. So I was halfway there. When I found out that that five bed home down in Florida was clearing 10,000 each month, I said, boom in. Right. Um, so being very clear on that. And the other one is you have to be good at converting active income to income that is going to get you paid each month because that's the only avenue that you're ever going to get true time to go do other things. So either invest or find avenues to create the passive income coming in for cash flow. Those are the three pillars that I would tell you that is that is going to give you time frame. Because at the end, if you if you talk to anyone that's like at the end, they don't ask for anything extra yeah. other than I would say probably time with their kids or their family that they can't ever get that back. So I would encourage folks that if you're thinking of that topic to focus on to get the time freedom first, but in order to do that, you've got to get good at turning active income to income that keeps coming in um, each month. It doesn't have to have you there. Love it. Love it. Great stuff. Brandon, uh, last, uh, I guess the very last question uh, here is how can people get in touch with you? Learn more about what you got going on. That's a good question. The best way we are kind of old fashioned here to, is to call our office. Um, I just hired an EA about back in April. Um, so call the office. Our office phone number is 847-380-8624. So call awesome. our office um, and book a time to talk with me or ask anything if you're interested. Um, yeah. Great. Is that's that's the top avenue to contact us for sure is just to call our office. If there is anything here that is able to have you, um, have you interested, that's the easiest. Awesome. Well, Brandon, again, really appreciate it. Thanks for, thanks for your time. It's been fun. Uh, definitely learned a ton and I know our audience did as well. Uh, you have a fantastic rest of the day. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe, uh, give us a thumbs up, go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. It's a rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So 
the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to venturedproperties.com, venturedproperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like, uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go up to coachwithdex.com and check that out. And, uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.